You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. This is Jose Youngs with MMAfighting.com here on another episode of the A-Side live chat. Uh, you are on the MMAfighting.com YouTube page or MMAfighting.com, the site in general. But back with me, you guys always ask. I oh, when, We had Anthony Walker on. Love that guy. We had Mike Heck. Love that guy. Two guys that are with MMA fighting, but they're good friends of ours. But every single week, I get questions. When is Pizzi coming back? When is Pizzi coming back? When well, is he's the back, scissors ladies. coming back? He's back, ladies and gentlemen. Mr. Scissors, Pizzi. I believe, yeah. I think Jacare would take issue with that right there. Never heard of him. Never heard of him. Never um, heard of him. How are huh? you anyway? I'll say, happy birthday, my friend. Oh, God. Yep. For those a of year you who don't know, a year more beautiful. How does that face keep getting more pretty? I don't know how you do it. Oh, my word. What thanks. a face. What you a th- fucking face that man You has. can thank my mom's Mexican jeans and my father's Irish jeans. It's the combination of those two gave me this face and this hair. Uh, but every week I get questions. Who's When's Pizza coming back? And he is here. I think it's a perfect opportunity uh, to get him back on the show. He might even just be on permanently moving forward as long as he's not Mr. Scissors oh, over there. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, don't be breaking news now, Jose, huh? There, we, th- I'm just giving him a little, <laughs> giving him a little teaser. Pizza Carroll might be on more and more and more as we go forward. Maybe he might even be on in person, but who knows? We might have a, as Esterlin calls it, as Esterlin calls it, an extra live A side when we're both in the same room. Who knows? Maybe we'll, maybe some of you guys can come hang out. But uh, as always, Pizza. What have you been up to in the last two weeks since we last saw you? You did some great work at Bellator London and Cage Warriors, but other than that, what's been up? Mm-mm. It was crazy. I, look, Bellator London and Cage Warriors is crazy because they were on other sides of London. I'm sure people from London are screaming at this now saying they weren't on other sides of London. <laughs> but it was like an hour and a half away from each other. So it was just constantly on the, the underground. And I'm just I'm stupid, so I just keep on going up to people and I ask them, here, does this train go there? And they're like... How do you not know how this works, dickhead? You know what I mean? And I've been there probably, I'd say, 15 times in the last four years, and I still don't know how it works. But I can understand how it would be annoying, but, I mean, what can you do? You know what I mean? Talking well, to me, been... they should be fucking privileged. Well, I've never been to London, so you'd have to show me around. Oh, we'd, we'd die if I had to show you around London. We'd, <laughs> we just, we'd, end, up in, we'd end up in Birmingham in like some like <laughs> like shady alley. I'm like, Pizzi, where are you taking me? You're just like, yeah, this is definitely where we have to go. But as always, this is not our show. This is your guys' show. You can ask us questions on the MMAfighting.com page in the comment section below. The ones in green uh, will take priority, or you can use hashtag the ASAT on Twitter. I have not read the questions yet. Uh, but I bet there's a lot to talk about regarding one Irish fighter coming uh, that supposedly has a fight Joseph coming Duffy? up. Joseph, Joseph Duffy. Duffy. Yeah, that's what I hear. Oh, Irish oh, Joe oh, Duffy. Oh, I've got plenty of Joe Duffy info for you guys. Don't you worry so, about that. This is officially a Joe Duffy and Norman Park podcast because those are the two biggest yes. Irish fighters out there. And Neil Siri. And course. Neil Siri. I was about to say Neil Siri, but for but right out of the gate. Oh, I was, apparently we got a lot of questions on Twitter. I was looking at uh, some specific questions for Pizzi that I haven't looked at. We got another crystal question, but we're going to hop right into it on the site. From Greb77, Connor versus Cowboy right out of the gate. <laughs> your reactions. Your your reactions. Thoughts on the matchmaking, the weight, and the winner's position in the 170 155 title picture. So, yes, Pizzi. For this episode, we're going to probably talk a lot about this, especially since you've covered this man probably more than any other journalist out there. Conor McGregor finally has his return definitely, date set. Definitely. 
definitely more than everybody. Sorry, go ahead. P.C. Carroll has, there you have it, folks. P.C. Carroll has covered Conor McGregor more than any other journalist out there. But Conor McGregor finally has his return date where he takes on Donald Cowboy Cerrone in the main event of, I believe, UFC 246 in January. It broke Thanksgiving over here in the States. I was at a Thanksgiving uh, dinner, and I brought my. I had a hunch. I was like, I'm going to bring my computer just in case. And I was sitting there. Oh my. I was having some dinner while I was getting ready for dinner. And then all of a sudden, I get these alerts on my phone. I'm like, why on Thanksgiving? Why? So then I hopped into, did some work, and then ate some turkey. But uh, I don't know how the reaction was over on your side of the pond. I'm sure it was a little later in the, in the night or early in the morning. I never know the time differences for you and me. But as arguably the most famous Irishman in the world, what was the reaction? Me. Yes, you. What is the reaction to the second most famous Irishman in the world finally <laughs> getting his fight? Um, it was it was pretty muted, muted. Like I mean, this, really? I did speak to you about this before. You know, I, I did feel as though um, the the bandwagon has uh, reached a halt in Ireland, definitely at the moment. Uh, as we know, this fight is far more than just a will Connor win or lose. I think he's he's really trying to fight back um, to gain his reputation back again. As I said. This guy's the fighting pride of Ireland at the height of his career. People are looking up to him like he's some type of mythological figure. You can only go down from there. Like, even if none of this stuff happened with the phones or hitting the old guy in the pub, it is impossible to stay at the top uh, and nearly, like, be be omniscient. Uh, that's, what, that's what it nearly felt like for a while there with Connor. So I think there was only he was always going to have a come down, but I, I don't think I ever expected the come down to be this hard. Um, for a person that was once heralded up, uh, lifted up by the Irish, the youth of Ireland as a guy who, this is the guy we want to be uh, used as a representation. Like, this is what we're like. We're young, we're, we're fearless, and we're passionate. All of these things that the, the youth of Ireland wanted to see themselves as during a crippling recession, he was it. But as, as more and more stuff happened, I feel like the Irish people have distanced themselves from him and, and less and less people uh, push him forward as an example of what it is to be Irish. So I feel like uh, he has a lot to do here. It's not just about Donald Cerrone. It's not just about 170. It's not about Las Vegas. It's about. It's not only about winning. It's about winning back some of his credibility, I feel. Yeah, I can tell you from this side of the States, a lot of my friends who don't even like MMA all text me, oh, Connor's back, Connor's back, Connor's back. Like They aren't aware of what he's been in the headlines for over the last few months. Like, they've heard some rumblings, like the the allegations over in Dublin, or they've seen the maybe the video of him punching that old man or smashing the phone and all this stuff. But uh, I can tell you, I, there's a lot of excitement amongst my friends that are quote-unquote casual observers from the outside. Uh, so it's interesting to hear that people in Ireland don't really seem to care. I remember that video you shot uh, out in Dublin. I actually edited it up. If you were asking all those, those, those Irishmen, uh, I don't know what the what do you, what was it the square in Dublin or whatever, uh, and you were asking them about the fight. Yeah, a lot of them didn't really yeah. like. I remember those women, those those. I always think about those two women you interviewed. They were just like, I don't even care about Conor McGregor. The only thing I associate Conor McGregor with is Americans coming over to Ireland and asking us, "Hey, do you know where Conor McGregor lives?" Like that. So <laughs> it's clearly a different vibe uh, between American and Irish uh, fight fans because I can tell you from my perspective, from my point of view. Uh, People are excited over here. Uh, I'm excited. I mean, I'm excited that he's gonna fight, but he has a I lot. Am a, to I am too. Like, you know, it's it's like this is this isn't the way anybody wants to see the story end, right? Like, I mean, right. this isn't 
a guy at the very height of his power who seems so untouchable is now in this situation where he he kind of needs to win people's support back. Some a situation I never saw himself in. And even from when we did that video, there's been all of the bad headlines have come since then. I mean, the worst thing Conor McGregor had done when I put out that video was throw a thing at a bus. I mean, mm-hmm. if that was the only bad thing Conor McGregor had done in the last few years, I don't think we'd be in the situation we're in in, in Ireland with him, you know? So, um, <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's huge, and I, I do respect the fact that it, it has broader ramifications outside the bubble of the sport. Um, and I do feel as though, even though we're all salivating at the t- uh, Tony Ferguson and, and Habib Nurmagomedov, um, for the UFC... Conor McGregor's return is worth a lot. Is a lot worth a lot more than that because of the amount of people he brings to the sport, and maybe with everything that's happened, there'll be even more of an interest here. This is the way the world is uh, these days. You know what I mean? Usually you're in a traffic jam because you know there's been a car crash on the other side of the road, and people are all turning their heads to get a good look at it. Like that's the way. Uh, that's the way we're we're living these days. So it might might even make for an even more interesting fight given the situation he's found himself in himself in over the last year or two well i can tell you from i put i made a graphic and i posted on instagram and it was like what fight are you what main event slash title fight are you most looking forward to coming up and it was it even included like colby kamaru like john jones dominic reyes connor cowboy and the vast majority were habib versus tony ferguson and if you even well, look at our, if you look at our numbers, we you know how we post the fight announcements on our Instagram and Twitter and everything. The numbers of likes and retweets for Tony and Habib versus Tony dwarfed Conor McGregor's return. So maybe it's just people are finally excited that fifth time's the charm, or maybe they are a little burnt out of Conor. Maybe they're just confused that it's against Cowboy. I don't know, but I, all I know is from so, looking at social media, our Habib Tony numbers dwarfed the Conor McGregor numbers. But we, we have to appreciate that we're the biggest website in mixed martial arts. Yeah. People come here to get their mixed martial arts news every single day. It's not like, you know, we're, we're in the middle of Grafton Street asking people or we're in the middle of Trafalgar Square or wherever yeah. the fuck people go, Times Square asking people. Because I'm pretty sure if I stood in the middle of Times Square now and I held up two signs asking people which one they prefer, they'd all be sure. pointing at Conor McGregor because they recognize the name, you know? You're not wrong, uh, but in terms of the actual fight, were you surprised it was Donald Cerrone and not someone like a Justin Gaethje? No, I think it's probably a sensible matchup. I feel like this is probably the matchup he should have came back to fighting with after uh, he, he went and did that boxing match. Um, you know, I agree. From the, se- from the second that Habib was announced, um, I was on this show, I believe, at the time. I was probably on... Um, other shows, and I said, like, you know, if this is the fight he's coming back to, he's going to get submitted. He's, he's going to get dominated. Like, I mean, it's such a different fight from a boxing fight. And his career has taken the biggest blow, you know, in terms of fighting since that uh, fight. And I feel like it would have been stupid to bring him back in and make him fight Habib uh, in his next fight after that. Because, first of all, it wasn't really a contest. You know, he got... Yeah. He got pretty handled there in that fight and what what's the point in dragging him back he need he needs we need to see that there's been some kind of improvement there needs to be some kind of commitment here there was lots of things that came to light after the last fight um he wasn't happy with his camp um you know it felt like he was being critical of john kavanaugh a lot of times has that been worked out um has he brought in the right bodies for habib because that was a concern as well although he had brilliant fighters in a, in his camp, um, none of them none of them really seem to be able to replicate what Habib brings to the table. Maybe nobody 
on earth can replicate what Habib does, but you can d- certainly get better guys in that have good wrestling pedigrees and stuff like that. You know, we, we've seen pictures already of Connor training with uh, Keen Cowley, a very rangy, long striker, um, a Muay Thai fighter, um, a guy who's re-transitioned to MMA. I know people are making fun of his MMA record. Um, he's quite near an even record, I believe, at the moment, but... Keane was a decorated Muay Thai fighter in Europe. I feel like he's a great person to have there to help prepare for Donald Cerrone. But, um, yeah, I feel like altogether I'm expecting to see a, a way better McGregor here. Um, all the all the things we're hearing from the camp is he's training two times a day, uh, once at 11 a.m., once at 7 p.m. Uh, he has own Ruddy back in his camp. I heard that he was doing oh, pad wow. rounds of own Ruddy this week. Uh, so I feel like there's a lot of... A lot of good things, a lot, a lot of better things. I'm hearing about this camp because the last time these guys, I knew them like ten years. They all shut, shut off. Like nobody would talk about what was going on. I think Owen Ruddy was the only person I got an interview with over there um, for the last fight. So I feel like the fact that there's a bit more transparency, the fact that I'm actually hearing information coming out of the camp, it's all very good things for Conor McGregor and um, his fans, of course. Yeah, when I heard it was Donald Cerrone, I said this. I, I was with you. I. An agreement with you. This fight should have been his first fight back even before Habib. He's uh, Donald Cerrone historically does terrible against southpaws. Like whenever he fights a southpaw, even if he's the betting favorite, I tend to favor the the, the southpaw, especially when he fought Tony Ferguson, uh, who switches stances a lot. I asked Tony Ferguson specifically, uh, have you noticed that? I don't think to- Donald Cerrone has ever even beaten a southpaw, like maybe once or twice in his early, early days, but not lately. And he kind of looked at me and winked and he goes, We'll see what I have in store. And then you saw what happened. He kind of pieced him up by switching stances so much. So Donald Cerrone has all of the records in the UFC, like most fights, wins, like head kick knockouts, finishes. He has all of these records. The fight against Donald Cerrone, I think, or against Cowboy, does or the Cowboys fight against Connor, I think will put him first or like tied for first for most fights in general in UFC history. Connor is going like they and when I saw this booking I go oh they want Connor to beat the man with all of the records and then kind of use that as a marketing tool like look Connor smoked this guy who has every record in UC <laughs> history but like if you know what you're looking at and Donald Cerrone historically doesn't do great against southpaws you hear a lot about like he loses a fight before he even enters the octagon like when he fought Nate Diaz his head was not in the game. Like He was not taking him down. He was getting pieced up on the feet. He was thrown off of his game plan. He's a guy that before the cage door, before he even enters the octagon, a lot of people say he's not mentally there. Like He's been mentally broken. You saw Connor get under his skin when they weren't even fighting at that press conference. Like He was like, Cowboy Storm's like, you have to worry about Jose Aldo. What are you coming after me for? And I'm like, Cowboy, that's the bait he wants you to take. Like He's poking at you, and you're taking that bait. So when they announced this, I'm like, they want Connor to win. They give him a fight that have, that is very, very favorable for him because the Justin Gaethje fight would be awful for Conor McGregor, like a high-pressure volume fighter with crazy cardio uh, that has elite-level wrestling that he hasn't even showcased, or Cowboy Cerrone, who historically has that Muay Thai stance, doesn't do good as in southpaws, has been not has been finished like twice or two or three times in his last few fights on a two-fight losing streak. This fight is a no-brainer. It's at 170. I'm sure we both have a lot of thoughts on that. But this was a no-brainer fight for me to begin with. I talked with uh, Oscar Willis, who works for the Mac Life, like months ago. And he's like, you should fight Cowboy Cerrone. That's the fight to make. So should have taken this fight before Habib. I'm with you there. But I think this is the perfect uh, time for this. Uh, He needs a win because at the end of the day, Conor's a big name. 
But if he keeps losing, that's obviously going to hurt his credibility as a fighter. He's lost to Mayweather. He's lost to Nate. He lost to Habib. Uh, and like those are three of the biggest pay-per-view, like biggest selling pay-per-views in combat sports history. And Connor's lost all of them. Yeah, he beat Nate, which I believe is now the second most bought pay-per-view of all time. But he needs he needs a win. The Justin Gaethje fight, I would favor Justin Gaethje heavily. I don't even think it, I think it would be pretty bad bad night for Conor McGregor. I don't like that it's at one. Well, I get why it's at one seventy. I wish it one more one fifty five because it was it would feel more authentic. I think Connor's is best at 155. I think Donald Cerrone's is best at 155. Uh, what do you make of the weight class, though? <clears throat> uh, be, just before the, the weight class, I, I completely agree with what you said there about a loss. I think that this could be his last fight if he lost. I honestly yeah. feel that. I mean, what, what what is the point? What is the point of going on at this stage? Not to say that uh, Donald Cerrone is some type of scrub or anything. Uh, he definitely, definitely isn't. He's a, an amazing fighter. But I feel as though this is a, a favorable matchup in the sense that it is... On the lower end of the competitive fights he could have been put in, right? Like, I, I love the fight. But, I mean, if Connor can't get through Cerrone, it means he has no business against Habib. He has no be- business against Tony Ferguson. Unless there's some type of dramatic shift there, there's no point in him him kind of continuing, I don't think. Especially when he's made the money he has. He has everything there for him. He, he's made everything he needs from the fight game. Um, As far as the weight class, um, I just feel as though that's pretty much the way he laid it out in Russia the first time we heard about this. He said he had a kind of a threefold plan. It was, um, you know, to come back on January 18th, which is now set in stone, um, and then to fight the winner of the bad motherfucker title, uh, which is Jorge Masvidal, and then fight Habib Nurmagomedov in Russia in November. So going by that logic, what's the point in going back going down to 155 if your next fight's going right. to be at 170? You know, like, be healthy at 170. Don't put yourself through the stress of the weight cut. Get in there, fight. Be at that weight class then for your next fight. But I don't like, like, I mean, Connor at 170 isn't, um, you know, that's a lot of man to move around compared to what he's used to. You know, I feel like we saw how, how much he struggled with that in the first Diaz fight. I feel like, was the second Diaz fight at 55 or, or 70? No, both of them were at 170. 170 right but if you can imagine when connor fought um when connor fought nate that time the first time in march 2016 i believe it was he would have been coming off a far better kind of base level fitness in my opinion for that fight than he is right now right so that does worry me a bit that's the one thing that worries me about 170 but i do feel as though it makes sense when you consider that he is gonna, his plan is to fight Jorge Masvidal in his next fight, based on his uh, threefold plan he he showcased in Russia that time. Well, even if he loses, I think if he loses, we could get that Nate trilogy, and if he loses that, yeah. then he'd be done because a loss, like both of them would be coming off losses, they'd both be coming off losses at 170. I think it would be the perfect time for that. If he wins, the Jorge Masvidal fight is there. Maybe he has his eye on another belt. I mean. People were tweeting at me like maybe he wants to fight George St. Pierre, which I don't think is the case at all. Uh, George is looking real small right now. That would be the worst possible fight for Conor McGregor. He'd make a lot of money, but he'd, pro- he'd most cer- assuredly lose uh, if, if that's how he- if, if the Conor that showed up against Habib fought George St. Pierre at 170, it'd be a bad night for Ireland, uh, Irish fight fans. Uh, so I don't or think that a, is the case. a good night considering... 
considering his recent stock, it might be a good night, right? There, yeah. there you go. Uh, but I, I'm with you on that. He's gonna when he, when they said 170, I was surprised. But then when I thought about him, like, oh, he's just gonna fight Jorge Masvidal. Maybe he also just wants his body, like, he he wants to ease his way back into this. Like he took all these years off. He fought at 170, 170, 155, took all that time off, came back for the boxing match against uh, Floyd Mayweather, and then took a lot of time off again and came back and cut down to 155. Maybe he just wants to ease his body back into it this time and correct the mistakes that you were kind of uh, alluding to. Uh, he was he was talking about, like, bad fight camp, bad strategy. Remember, he said, like, my foot was a balloon when he fought Habib Nurmagomedov. I don't know how true that is. Uh, but Conor McGregor's back. It's going to be at 170. He's also – this is also a guy, Cowboys throwing, doesn't historically pull out of fights, which I know Don, uh, Conor McGregor's had a few opponents fall out. The, f- the first Jose Aldo fight at 189, the fight against Rafael Dos Anjos at UFC 196. Uh, he, even the fight against Diego Brandao, wasn't that supposed to be against Cole Miller? And then his first fight yes. against Max Holloway was supposed to be against Andy Ogle, if I'm not mistaken. So yes. he's had, historically he's had a lot of fights fall out. Uh, Nate Diaz is not a guy that will pull out of fights. Donald Cerrone is definitely not a guy that's going to pull out of fights unless you snap his leg in half. Uh, he fought, remember he had that crazy like scar, that scar over his eye before he fought. I believe he was going to fight at 205 or something like that before that fight fell apart. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this fight. I'm excited to see Conor back in action, uh, but... <clears throat> I don't know. I'm not looking forward to all the fans mobbing me about Conor McGregor questions. It was uh, just what just what you mentioned there about the foot. The foot was a balloon. I know it's been gifted and maimed into oblivion, yeah. but we actually heard about that about four weeks, two hmm. maybe three weeks before the fight. And I can remember being on the Brian going, I, I'm hearing his foot's broken." You know, and Brian wow. was like, "What?" And I was like, "I can't, I can't confirm it." I said, "I'm trying to confirm it," but. That also kind of was a big indicator for me as to how 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 tedious it must be to be Conor McGregor because this wasn't like a fighter like you know a, a, one of my sources from SBG or, or one of from that Irish MMA circle had told me this random people that I know from different walks of life were telling me this because people were in the gym training there at SBG fighters. And he's so much of a celebrity that they have they can't help themselves. They're going home and telling their friends and people like this. And um, I can remember I was, I was rang everyone I could in that camp to try and confirm that his foot was fucked up in one way or the other. And, and nobody would say anything, of course. But that that did I can remember that being like a big kind of light bulb moment to me. That like holy shit, he can't even like he can't even fully trust the people who are beside him, sweating it out here, trading leather with them. I mean. Like people were hearing this just from of people that train there that just kind of hang around with them or whatever. It's uh, it must be an insane situation. I think that camp had, had probably highlighted a lot of things that they need to change, and I think that's that's where the success is going to come from. Can they actually rebuild this? Is he malleable? Will he actually you know make an extra effort? Does he still have that hunger inside of him? They're all the questions I have going into this because I didn't see the same hunger before that Habib fight. In fact, the whole narrative was was not, was nothing to do with Conor McGregor and his hunger and his and his drive, which every other Conor McGregor fight used to be about. I felt like the guy who showed up for the press conferences there was a salesman more than a fighter. So that's yeah. something else that they need to look at. 
Yeah, the Conor McGregor we saw at that first UFC 229 press conference in New York when he had like the pink suit and the two belts he was still carrying around, that was not the same Conor McGregor that we saw in that notorious documentary uh, that all those all fans fell in love with where it was like the Conor on the come up, like this is what happens when you, you work hard and this and that. Uh, I know a lot of fans here in America, that was their favorite fighter, and then they kind of see what it became. And I know he's still a big deal over here in America, especially for your favorite type of individuals, Irish Americans that have to bombard you with questions every time you come to Boston. Uh, but they, I can, I get a sense he's still a big deal over here. But some of my fan, like most of my friends, are excited that he's back. But there are a few that's like, I hope this guy gets pieced up because this dude, this guy is an asshole right now. So, but. We'll be hopefully Peachy's there with me. I hope I'm there because covering a Conor McGregor fight week is always is always a trip. Uh, were you at UFC 202, the second Nate Diaz fight? Yes. That yeah, fight that fight week did not seem like a big deal until that press conference when they started throwing water bottles. I don't know if you felt the same way. Yeah, I said I said it to you the, one of the times I was on this show. I was I was literally standing outside talking to Ariel. Sean Shaddy and Chuck Mendenhall going, Jesus, doesn't feel big at all. And then we went there and they just fucking throwing shit at each other and it was uh it was insanity. Oh, there's it's definitely gonna be big. Eat like it, it's gonna be really big. But can we just have less of the bottles and the proper twelve beside yeah. the Budweiser thing? Can we stop feeding into the 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 drunken Irishman stereotype for five seconds? I well, look at that was what Donald Cerrone went for. How are we gonna win these Irish fans off? Let's put up a fucking picture of whiskey. Get that in there. Jesus Christ. It, there's really no trash talking lately. I mean, Conor McGregor posted that. I mean, Nate, Donald Cerrone posted that pic, that that picture, and the caption was like all the records he holds. And Conor McGregor commented on it. He was like, good man. Happy holidays to you and your family. Like, see you in January. And I was like, oh, he's this is a different Conor McGregor. And then uh, when John Cavanaugh posted that thing on Twitter where he's like, for reason, he's like four reasons the gym will be closed at this time, and everyone's like, "Oh, he's back, Connor's back, Connor's back." So maybe he's, maybe he's more focused. I don't know. I'm sure you have a better idea of that how that gym operates, but it's a different. All I, it's positive. a different Conor McGregor. But it's all positive things. Like I mean, yeah. all of the stuff made me feel very nervous the last time around. You know, and I'm like, you know, I, I have you know, decade long relationships there. And I'm sure it pissed off people when they heard me like, you know, saying he's going to get smashed out there. But you know, that's how I felt based on the information I was getting. Like this time, it seems a lot better. It, everything is very optimistic. The fact that they have this guy training two times a day or the fact that he is forcing himself to train two times a day this far out from the fight is a really, really good sign. And he is a genetic freak, Connor. Like, that's something that people don't talk about enough. His his body is insane. Like, it is, is, his physicality is crazy. So if he is training, I feel like he can tune himself up very well. What is he, 31 years of age? It's yeah. probably the last couple of years of his tenure in fighting where he's going to be able to rely on explosivity and, and things like that and they're a big part of his game so i do i do feel as though we, we we're gonna see him in far far better nick this time i've definitely would i'm favoring conor mcgregor in this fight solely based on the fact Same that here. uh conor southpaw donaldson doesn't historically doesn't do great against southpaws uh he's had what he lost to gaethje and tony Fer the tony ferguson fight was a doctor stoppage so wasn't technically a knockout but it was still he was getting he was losing that fight uh, and then was stopped between second and third round, and he was getting pieced up by Tony Ferguson. So I can't imagine uh, that would, the last two rounds go any differently. Before that, he had a three-fight win streak over Mike Perry, Alexander Hernandez, Ali Quinta, and then he lost to Leon Edwards, 
Darren Till, Robbie Lawler, Hori Mazdal, and Rafael Dos Anjos. So he's not losing to scrubs. He's losing to the best of the best. Uh, maybe that, and that Leon Edwards at the time seems like maybe an upset uh, because not many people in America knew who Leon Edwards were. I thought I kind not of. Not to me. Not, not to me. To me. Uh, after watching that Darren Till fight and then seeing him stand next to Leon Edwards, I kind of had a sense that it was going to be a bad night for Donald Cerrone. Five-round fight, though. Does that favor Donald Cerrone? He historically does pretty well in these. He, he told me himself uh, at UFC 239, or not 239, 238, that he wished his fight against Tony Ferguson was a five-round fight because when he was going to fight Ali Aquinta, he was not... It took him a while to warm up, and if you remember that fight against Al, he lost the first round, and then he started to pick it up. He's a guy that needs... He has said, he's been on record when I've interviewed him a lot that those rounds 3, 4, 5 is when he picks it up. Will it even reach rounds three, four, five? That's a question that we can talk about the, soon, the closer we get to the fight. But five-round fight, favorite Donald Cerrone in your mind? Oh, yeah, I think so. I think he, there's no doubt about it. Um, look, Connor didn't – Connor looked tired in round three against Habib. Um, I know it's a very different kind of fight. Um, I don't think anyone can exhaust a fighter as much as Habib Namagamadov can. Um, you know, look at look at – Dustin Poirier after one round with Habib Nurmagomedov. It is uh, an onslaught. It, incredible. I feel like because the fight, in theory, should play out in Connor's wheelhouse, as in the striking wheelhouse, he should have a bit of a better engine this time out. Um, but definitely a favor Cerrone. Um, what doesn't favor Cerrone is he's never been in a fight like this before in his life. No. He's never going to have to do as much media as he's going to have to do ahead of this fight. Uh, he's never going to have any of that stuff. Um, and, you know, you mentioned at the top of the show, uh, historically he's been viewed as a fighter who's mentally fragile, uh, mentally yeah. weak in, in, in those big, big moments. Um, I don't... I, 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 was, um, I was in McGregor's camp, embedded in McGregor's camp for two weeks before he fought Chad Mendes. And I watched this man hobble around the house um, with basically one working leg uh, shouting to himself, "I'm the champion. I'm the greatest." This isn't this isn't a show. This is him walking around as as a team of physios bend and contort his knee, and it's clearly absolutely gruesome pain he was in. And then I left that camp, and six weeks later I went to Vegas and I saw him do what he did to Chad Mendes. That's the most mentally resilient fighter I've ever been around in my life. Uh, the most mentally strong fighter I've ever been around in my life. It's a pity that he didn't look like that guy the last time we saw him, but he does have that in his wheelhouse. It is in his arsenal that he can uh, focus his mind on situations like this, and it's a huge tool for him. I don't think Cerrone has that, so I do feel like that's his biggest weakness going into this fight. My body is ready for this fight. PT sold me on this fight. Even <laughs> <laughs> I cannot wait for this fight. When they first announced it, I was like, ah, I wish it was Justin Gaethje. Uh, because Justin, I think he was on that two fight. He's on yeah, that win streak. Right. He should be fighting for the title, this and that. Now he's going to have to wait even longer. But we could talk about Conor McGregor for two hours on the show. But we got to give, we have to give the other fighters a chance. So we're going to move, move right on along. to Neil Siri. Get on to the Neil Siri questions now. Thank you. Get on to the Neil Siri. All right, here we go. You can answer. This is a, this is a rapid fire one from Hefe01. Pick two fighters to take you. Pick two fighters to take with you to, and then fill in the blank. Which two fighters would you take to each event? So rapid fire, you can tell me. A bar fight. Which fighter would you take to a bar fight? 
Are you there? What's up? I am. There? You froze for a second. You're good. All though. right. Sorry. We're back. We're back. What happened? I missed the whole question. So, Hefe01 asks, pick two fighters to take with you to th these select events. Which two fighters would you take to each event? A bar fight. So, which fighter would you want to take with you to a bar fight? A bar fight. Um, fuck. Probably a Diaz. I'd take a Diaz. I'd, I I'd take a Diaz to a bar fight. I think I've heard enough Jason Mayhem Miller stories in my day that he seems like someone that would... <laughs> I've heard a story of a bunch of guys were giving him crap and he just like Muay Thai elbowed all of them to death. So I'd probably hang pick on, him. Hang on. Baz Root. Baz Root. Yeah, We've Baz seen Rutten the guy's videos over the years. He would be using his atmosphere, smacking people's faces off walls. But dang, but dang, but dang. Definitely <laughs> Baz Root. Who am I kidding? All right. The answer there is ba Baz Root. There's no other correct answer. All right. Preparing for your master's degree. Which fight fighter would you take with you? Carl Pendred, maybe he is. Um, he is. Um, he was meant to be one of those CSI freaks, but uh, he oh, ended really? up as a UFC fighter. So yeah, maybe him. I would have to say the answer is Rosie Sexton, retired MMA fighter. Oh shit! Ah, you fucking, you got me there. Yeah. Well done. Isn't yeah. she have like? Shit. She's like one of the smartest people I've ever met in my entire life. She has like a bunch of like masters and doctorates and like. What what does she have? What is she? She uh, she's everything. Like, every time anyone like I've never actually spoke to Rosie one on one, but everyone and Rosie would be a legend in the European scene. So a lot of people bring her up, but I've never heard someone brought up so often. And, and the first thing people always say to her is, "Oh man, she's she's so intelligent." Like as soon as you speak to her, like wow, like incredibly intelligent. That's what people say. Like the second you're in a conversation where you're like, "Oh shit, I'm out of my depth. I'm out of my depth." <laughs> so she she achieved master of science degree in mathematical logic in 2000. Uh, she went to Trinity College in Cambridge. Uh, she was the tutor. Her, her tutor in mathematics is Tim Gowers. I don't know what that means. Uh, she her interests were logic. Combiner, I don't even know how to pronounce these words that she majors in. And then she had a joint position at the School of Mathematics at the at, and the School of Computer Science. And she has a Master of Science degree. Oh, God. She's like the smartest human being I've ever met, heard about in my life. So, yeah, Rosie Sexton. That, was, that, that is the only answer. All right. Which, which, and she was a fucking savage, too, by the way. An animal fighter. Oh, my Jesus. She was. I think, I think fight fans really missed out the opportunity to see her uh, in her prime. But which fighter would you take to Thanksgiving? Um, poor, like probably, like I want to I want to eat with Andy Ruiz, but I know he's not a UFC fighter. Um, probably like Derek Lewis. That's my answer. Is gonna say Derek Lewis. Derek Lewis or Daniel Cormier, I think would be really fun to have at a Thanksgiving. Oh day. yeah, yeah. They're both they're both great for conversations for different reasons. All right, which fighter would you take to a Crystal Expo? Oh, there's only one answer. Captain Crystal. That's Jared Cannonier. Jared Cannonier is the only answer right there. Maybe Jairzinho. He seems to be a Crystal guy, too. Uh, or Jessica. Uh, Jessica. I mean, if Jessica was a fighter, we could mm -hmm. take Jessica as well. Um, oh, my gosh. I forgot who. Makwan Amerikani was had a crystal around his neck at UFC 244 fight week two. Uh, so he could be on Team Crystal. Which fighter would you take on a vacation around the world? Oh, it would need to be someone that doesn't talk that much because I'm very irritable. <laughs> Um, uh, someone that doesn't can't speak the same language as me. Yeah, Askar Askarov. There you go. I think Jose Aldo. Jose Aldo would be fun. 
Uh, Jose Aldo seems like a guy that he goes to beaches and plays soccer and goes swimming and all that. Cowboy would be fun because he's like all into paragliding and rock climbing and yeah, all that I'm, stuff. I'm lazy. That's I true. want to be left alone. Just leave him. Just go away. And Let then says, someone want... says, bonus, if you choose to answer, which fighter would you take to a nude beach? Probably say he's an oracle. Why? Because you would just. Oh, I don't even want to know why. That's hilarious, though. Because you know, because you know, he's got a piece on him. That's why. oh my and I god. Need to... There you got. There you have it, folks. Pizza Carroll took it there. Uh, Built like a Clydesdale horse. Um, my answer will be Derek Lewis. <laughs> I'm gonna go the opposite direction. <laughs> Thank you so much for the question, Hefe01. <laughs> that was a great question. All right. I'm going to keep going. All right. From Clev21, <laughs> Habib, Tony has made a few comments insinuating Habib is not focused on training. Instead, traveling the world, kissing babies, etc. Do you guys think there's any chance Habib won't be focused slash prepared for this fight? I'll start. Absolutely not. Habib himself is on record saying his last few fights, he wasn't, he wasn't, uh, he didn't have the hunger or the, 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 the motivation to go into camp. That, these are fights against Dustin Poirier, Ally Aquinta. Conor McGregor like he wasn't motivated for those fights and Tony Ferguson is the one that is motivating him because he gets asked about him so often this is the fifth time that they've been booked opposite one another it's it's all the way in April I believe so there's a lot of time for this fight to fall apart but I will say this when Mike Heck was on the show last week someone asked about this and I think this is the perfect time for this fight and all of these past injuries uh, and weight cut issues and freak accidents that have robbed fans of this fight have made this fight such a big deal that I think it's all going to be worth it. Like if they had fought on that Orlando card, like four or five years ago in like a three or four, wouldn't have been a big deal. But now the fact that they're both one and two, they have the longest win streaks in the division. I believe this is the first time in UFC history, two fighters with a 10 fight win streak will fight each other. It's in the main event. It's not for an instant title. It's not for a unification. This is for the undisputed lightweight championship of the world. And in my opinion, this will determine who the greatest lightweight of all time is. Are you in that same category where maybe all of this, the fight God's teasing us for so long that this has all culminated to the biggest fight in lightweight history? Yeah, I mean, I, I was so excited just thinking about this fight. I was listening to Tony's interview on Ariel's show um, this morning when I was walking the dog. And... and you know, same as you said. Like that's how I felt after after that interview. I was like, but my body is ready for this. That's what right. I, exactly what I was thinking in my mind. Like I was just thinking about this, the scrambling situations. You know, like Habib usually once he paces a guy up against the fence, like he's either gonna try and choke you and he's gonna just bludgeon you with strikes. Like you're gonna be fully exhausted. But I just don't. I don't imagine him being able to do that to Tony Ferguson. The way the 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 way Tony Ferguson hits switches so quickly when he's grappling and stuff like that. I just feel like it's going to be very very different fight, and that's just making me excited. Even that one situation with Habib having Tony up against the fence, a situation that usually doesn't excite any fight fans. That's really getting me excited. Even thinking about that with this fight. Um, anyone that doesn't think Habib's uh, taking this seriously, go onto his fucking Instagram page and watch him swimming into a fucking tide, okay? Yeah. And then you go down to the beach and try and fucking do that yourself without the fucking tide coming at you. And then you're going to go, ah, yeah, he's, he's probably fit. He's probably a bit fit. But I also think the date of it indicates that uh, Habib is taking this very seriously. Uh, um, we obviously saw the contract things and blah, 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 all that nonsense. But the fact that 
you know Habib had a say, had, had the bigger say in when this fight goes down. He chose April. That tells me that he is leaving a nice clear path to get himself in the most ridiculous shape he's ever been in for the fight. Even with Poirier in Abu Dhabi, I felt like he spent a lot of time uh, going around to different palaces and stuff like that on fight week. It probably, you know, it was probably a hindrance rather than a nice thing for him to do. So I feel in Brooklyn, um, I know there's a huge Russian population there, but I'm sure he'll have his media far better regimented and, and he'll be able to get his head down and, and, and get stuck in. So, yeah, I do feel like I don't want to say it out loud. I'm surprised you even said it out loud, but kind of getting the feeling it's going to happen this time, you know? Yes, use the crystals. Yes, thank God. Yes, I do feel like it's going to happen. I'm, I'm only happy to say that because he's holding the crystals. Yes, right? I'm going to hold these. I will only talk about this fight from now on when I have my crystals in my hand because I don't think that's, this fight will ever happen. Uh, oh, I, my God. Why would you say that with crystals in your hand? Because the crystals will... That is will, fucking the, wild thing the, to do. The crystals will purify the energy, sir. Don't you know okay, how crystals right. work? Come on now. Um, you know, I feel like um, my my understanding is is evolving. I have great mentors like Captain Crystal, yourself, and Jessica. But I mean, I feel like I learn something new every day about yeah. it. You know, the even crystals um, will purify the energy and, and put it out into the ether. That I don't believe this fight will ever happen because I don't believe in the secret. I think the secret is the stupidest thing I've ever heard about in my entire life. I'll go on record for saying that, Conor McGregor. But Look at Pizzi's hey, face. Hey, can we, can we actually, can I just tell you something about that? Hit me. The secret doesn't mean that much to him either. I'd, I'd say, Thank God. you know, I think he watched the Netflix documentary, the first 10 minutes of it or something, and kind of said it in an interview one day. And then next of all, I'm reading all these features from Conor McGregor and the fucking secret. I'm like, calm down, lads. Aaron got him into it for fuck's sake. He used to slag her about it all the time. And then one day, I think he was going to park his car in a shopping center, and he was like, I'm going to try this secret thing. It worked. And then everyone was like, the whole reason for Conor McGregor's success is the secret. And you're like, fucking hell. All I right. have a, That's I have a friend who casually watches MMA and was on the fence about Conor McGregor because he thought he was just kind of being a, kind of a D-bag no. for a long time. And then I go, yeah, and he also believes in the secret. And he goes, oh, yeah, that guy is the worst. I hate him so much. Like, that was the straw <laughs> that broke the camel's back. Was the, the headlines of Connor talking about the secret was the reason he became, um, he stopped liking Connor McGregor. Out of everything he's ever done, it was the secret. But uh, I will continue to say Tony Ferguson versus Habib Nurmagomedov will never happen uh, because we've been burned so many times. I believe in reverse psychology. And when Jorge Masvidal and Nate Diaz happened, I said, I bet something goes horribly wrong in this fight. And when it did, when Nate got that cut over his eye and they called the fight off and everyone was booing and some of the media members were like this, like, damn it, like this is shaping up to be a good fight. I laughed. I was laughing. I was like, of course this happened. This We deserve this. I felt the same way when Tony Ferguson fought uh, Don Cerrone at UFC 238. When that when they, when they Cowboy, uh, his when his eye blew up and they stopped the fight, I'm like, of course this would happen. We deserve this. Like, why would we think we can have anything nice in the world? So, uh, April is a real far way away. They better be training in bubble wrap right now. Tony Ferguson better, better take those sunglasses off when he goes inside. Habib Nurmagomedov better not eat tiramisu before his weight cut. I don't care if that's a hoax or whatever. I don't care if the <laughs> sunglass thing is a hoax or whatever. I am putting it into the ether. Do everything you can to make that fight happen. And we, we could talk about that fight for another three hours, but we'll curse it. So we're going to move on because this is an interesting question from Jay's store on the site. 
non-championship. Uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Just, just one thing. I was like, sorry, sorry, my friend. Go ahead. Just wanted to just, just, just highlight. Very short flight from Ireland to Brooklyn. Sorry, just in case Brian's watching. Very, very short flight there. Sorry, go ahead, Jose. Sorry, well, go ahead. That might be when we get the extra live A side with Jose and Pizzi in Brooklyn, New York, home of the notorious huh? B.I.G. What? How fitting? Huh? How fitting? You know. Well, yeah, I haven't really been there since I used to record CDs with uh, my man Big back in the day. So I mean, it's gonna be an emotional trip for me. My man Big back in the day. Well. I don't know how to follow that up, but non-championship pay-per-views. Twice in a couple months, UFC pay-per-views will be headlined by non-championship fights. The BMF title fight and Conor McGregor versus Donald Cerrone. Is this a new trend for the UFC? What other fights slash fighters can you imagine headlining in a non-championship fight? So I've had this conversation a few times. Uh, historically, Dana White doesn't like putting on pay-per-views without title fights. He kind of had to create one for UFC 208. Remember when Holly Holm fought uh, Jermaine Durandamy, he had to create the Women's Featherweight Championship bout, uh, which headlined over Anderson Silva versus Derek Brunson. But in terms of fighters that could headline a pay-per-view with, a belt, with no belt on the line, Connor's obviously one of them. I think Nate Diaz is one of them. Nick Diaz is for sure one of them. Uh, I think... It, George St. Pierre. George St. Pierre could, but I don't think George will take fights unless it's for a championship fight. Um, Ronda could Brock, if she maybe. ever comes back. Brock Brock and Ronda could if they ever come, came back. Not many. Neil Siri. Neil Siri. That, well, that goes without. They, there's not even going to be a card. It's going to be the Neil Siri show. Just one fight for $50 exactly. and people are going to shell out. Stand up, Fingless. Represent. North there you Sorry. go. Uh, but any other fighters you can think of that could headline a pay-per-view card with no belt on the line? Um, maybe like Fedor. Um, <laughs> no, I actually don't. I don't. I, I, uh, you and Casey are the people for these kind of questions, not me. Sure. I'm always just standing there going, uh, uh, and you still going, blah 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 blah, and blah blah blah, and I'm still there going, Neil Neil Siri. <laughs> <laughs> until he was on the uh, until <laughs> potato. <laughs> <laughs> Until he was on this long losing streak, uh, I always thought Nick Diaz versus Robbie Lawler could headline a pay per view, the rematch, Diaz versus Lawler 2. Uh, I've Savage, been waiting yeah. for that fight for a long time. Now it's obviously not that big of a deal. Uh, I think the only other fights that could happen is if like a fighter misses weight, but ahead of a title fight and becomes a non title fight. Like if for whatever reason Dominic Reyes misses weight, like John Jones could still headline that pay per view card. Um, yeah. Other than that, I think Izzy eventually. But not now. Uh, I think it's the Diaz brothers, Connor, Ronda, Brock, Masvidal. But he's right now, maybe. I don't know. No, well, they that... invented a fake title for him as well, That's so true. we can't we can't say that they did. Uh... Um, what about like something like you're right though. You're right. You're right. Like I mean, Jones and Ngannou. If there was no title on the line there, of course it'd be a fucking main event. You know what I mean? Yeah, especially like like would you pay? I I would pay forty nine ninety nine to watch. Uh, Francis Ganu fight Rumble Johnson. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a different thing over here. The pay per view thing isn't catching on because people aren't used to paying for it. But you know, I don't, I like twenty dollars to see a big fight. I don't think that's that's bad. Even even though it starts at five a.m., that's pretty much around what we're being charged about twenty five dollars. So um, you know, a lot of European fans don't like it. I mean, they're really pissed off about it to be honest. So um, I don't know how that would go down over here, but um. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't mind paying for it. I paid for, you know, I paid, I paid more money for lesser cards, you know, in, in in Asia and stuff. So what are you gonna do? 
Uh, I think a lot of people in the comments section on YouTube right now are, are naming current champions. Like someone's saying Habib and and these stuff. But like he's a champion, so he would have a belt on the line. And a lot of people are putting – I've That's seen a DC a lot. different fucking question. Different question. All right? Jesus fucking Christ. Listen to what he's saying. Don't make fucking Pizzi come find you. What, who wrote Habib? Uh, someone Jesus. wrote – someone's writing DC a lot. I guess Daniel could. Uh, someone write – oh, interesting interesting idea. What if it was for a catchweight f- – catch weight bout between like George St. Pierre and Habib at like 165. Like a fight like that could headline a card. Like if, if they had to, cr- if it was a catch weight fight with no belt we on just, the line. We just said George St. Pierre. We just fucking said that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Thanks for echoing our sentiments, comment section. Jesus. Someone wrote Bob Sapp. Yep, not in 2019. Not in America anyway. Bob Sapp, CM Punk, I'd watch it. 25, here you go. Take them sheets. <laughs> I'm so disappointed in PC Carroll right now for putting that out into the world. But uh, we're going to move along. Abel Riff, because we got to talk about UFC DC on Saturday. Alistair Overeem versus Jairzinho Jair Rosenstrick. Preview. For a Dutch fan like me, this is a fascinating fight because Jairzinho was born in Suriname and, repre- Suriname. and, and represents them. But I think he spelled it wrong, or this person spelled it wrong. But he moved to Holland at a very young age and was a decent kickboxing prospect at the same time when Alistair was doing great things in K1. He suddenly was gone. Turned out he was involved in some cocaine shenanigans and spent time in jail. I don't know anything about that, guys. But, me- what but the fuck? this is what this person wrote. <laughs> but, me- but man, speaking of a comeback story, this guy has looked amazing as an MMA fighter as- and as a UFC newcomer, as a knockout artist. And if-, if he also knocks out over him, he could do very well you could very well be a breakthrough fighter or at least a top three pound for pound fighter but the question is will will he will he miss will he mr pizzi carroll there's no grammar in there so he's asking you specifically what do you think of this fight between alistair overeem versus jairzina rosenstrick um you know i think it's a brilliant fight i think it's gonna be a spectacular fight um i agree with everything he said like i, I feel like you know, Overeem is confident going into a striking contest with anyone, and, and so he should be with the with the legacy he has behind him. But but Jairzinho's looked like he's got that. You know, I know a lot of heavyweight fighters can just hit you and kill you, but his his knockout over Lovsky was really deft. You know, it was a really nice shot, really beautiful little subtle. setup, step back. Yeah, really, really nice work. So I do feel as though it's going to deliver in terms of a contest to watch for the fans. Um, but I think people often forget that. How good Overeem is on the ground, he's well versed. If he can feel this guy fucking him up on the on the feet, I feel like he has it in his arsenal to take him down. He, you know, we've heard Joe Rogan talk about his guillotine so many times. Just ask Steve Miocic all about that one. But um, yeah, I do feel as though it's a really really nice fight. Um, a, a, like when this when this was the replacement fight for Walt Harris. Um, condolences to his family, of course. A horrible situation. When this was announced as a, as a, as a as a substitute, I was like, they have done really, really well to get Jairzinho in there. It's a, it's a very, very good fight. I love this fight. I'm the one that asked Jairzinho after his win over Arlovsky, would he want to fight over him? He goes, yeah, absolutely. Why not? He was also had a crystal around his neck, so he's obviously team crystal. So, you know, I had to ask him about that. As pizza, I, I represent. I, I, as soon as I saw it, I was standing next to Danny Segura. I was like, you know what I have to ask right now. And he like looked at the crystal and he was like, God all right and then i had to clip it and send it to, i had to clip it and send it to you right away but this is a fight uh it reminds me of the mark hunt overing fight where this fight could have happened in k1 years ago and it would have been a great fight but now that it's under mma it's still a great fight uh Jairzinho, like what you said 
uh, he can like hit you and knock you out. We in the business like to call that the touch of death, uh, where he can just touch you once and you go to bed. Francis Ganu has it. Uh, Anthony Johnson has it. Where one punch and you're just asleep. No, it, it's, it might not even look that hard. Like that when you were talking about the the Arlovsky knockout, comparing the the oh, and Ganu's and Overeem and Jairzinho's knockouts of Arlovsky. Jairzinho's was much more subtle, where Francis Ngannou, when he punched him, Arlasi like, left his feet. Like, he flew in the air. And then uh, Overeem had that, like, step-in, like, jab that separated him from his senses. But Jairzinho's was, like, a counter punch that really... I didn't even see it land. And then all of a sudden, uh, Esther Lin has this photo of, like, Arlovsky's, like, face is on the mat and his butt is in the air. And, like, Jairzinho's is, like, walking away. Uh, I believe it was, like, what, 39, 40 seconds. And before that, he knocked out Alan Crowder in nine seconds. So he's not even fought in one minute in the last two fights combined. Now he's fighting Overeem. To me, this is a 50-50 fight. I tend to favor Overeem, honestly. But Overeem's been knocked out by a lot of guys. He's been knocked out by Nganu. He's been knocked out or been finished by Curtis Blades. He's been finished by Ben Rothwell. A lot of guys that you expected him to beat. Um... We have Alex and I have a preview show yeah, coming out, like, so I'm not like, going to give an answer. But uh, I love this fight. I feel like yeah, I feel like you know it, it's nearly like a source of pride for Overeem how well and how sophisticated a striker is. So he's never going to be like afraid to strike with someone. But when you when you do have someone there with the kill switch like that, that it might be the first exchange they might catch you with. It becomes a different story, and maybe he has learned his lessons from, as you say, the Angano knockout and things like that. That just because he has been doing this for longer doesn't necessarily mean that uh, the other person can't uh, turn his switch off. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're not wrong. Um, I'm I'm not going to give a prediction just because I AK and uh, the bad boy Alex Kaylee and I have a preview show coming out on Friday. So I'm, I'm and AK is the last motherfucker. He's the last person you want on your back. Let's be honest. His steroid abuse has only got worse. And um, you know, by all intents and purposes, I hear that he's still handing out beatings to staff member regularly. That's what I hear. Yeah, what you can't see is my legs are all bruised up. He puts a bunch of bars of soap in a pillowcase and just whacks your shins over and over and over when you when you code miss red. punctuations. Code so, red. Yeah. Sometimes he he has a if he, if he can't reach his bag a bag of. Uh, soap boxes he just fills a tube sock with nickels and just hits you in the head that's his thing he told me he told me if i'm ever late to a meeting again he's gonna fly to ireland and step all over my balls that's what he said yeah that doesn't surprise me ask him how he got those scars next time he'll tell you a story <laughs> that'll make he'll tell you a story <laughs> that'll make your toes curl <laughs> holy shit <laughs> terrifying I'm afraid to talk to him unless he go unless he says Carol speak that's the only time I talk I'm Carol just... why haven't you spoken he's just like uh, 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 and then just punches you don't hit me Carol. don't hit me please yeah. uh, alright but moving on for a long time as well oh I don't want to talk about it we don't talk about the bad boy when he's not on the show for fear of his wrath but moving on Eduardo Bueno now that Corey Anderson versus Jan Blakovic is booked, can we please have Mareta versus Gustafsson in 2020, please? I love that fight, Thiago Santos versus Alexander Gustafsson. What, what say you, Pizza Carol? Oh, yeah, because they're being real nice to Alexander Gustafsson, who's stepping back out of retirement. <laughs> Fucking hell, that's Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Fucking hell. What about the poor Europeans here, huh? Someone needs to stick up for us. No, I don't like that fight. I don't <laughs> like 
let's bring back Gustafsson to, to to challenge a man who has a hammer tattooed in his fucking chest. No, right. I don't think that's a great idea. I don't think that's the best way to do it. I think the best thing to do with Gustafsson is have him fight the winner of Uzdemir versus Rakic to bring through the next light heavyweight European dude. I think that's the best way to do it with him. Uh, I'm going to say this on this fight. On, on the, I want to talk about the Jan Blakovic Corey Anderson fight, which is headlining Rio Rancho, New Mexico. PT, did you know what Rio Rancho was before you even heard about this fight? I thought it was a CD by Frank Sinatra where he sings his hits in a Mexican fashion. Well, that is not true. It's a, it's a city in New Mexico, home of one Holly Holm, who is one of the who's born in Albuquerque, is one of the is an icon in that town. And guess where she's not fighting? New Mexico. Instead, she's fighting in January in Las Vegas and Corey Anderson versus Jan Blakovic, which is most assuredly a number one contender fight at light heavyweight, is fighting not on the card of John Jones and Dominic Reyes. Like this, to put the old host of this show, Luke Thomas, to take his phrase, this is a promotion of malpractice. Holly Holm versus Raquel Pennington should be a five-round fight in New Mexico. It would be a massive homecoming for Holly Holm. She hasn't fought there since pre-UFC. If you look at her boxing record, she has like 38 fights. 35 of them are in New Mexico. She's one of the, like, if you've seen that video, I believe it was Dwayne Finley when, uh, when Holly Holm head kicked Ronda Rousey. He was, he was at a bar in New Mexico filming. And the oh, yeah, place yeah, yeah. went berserk. And then when she came home, they threw her a parade. They gave her the key to the city. They declared it national, like National Holly Home Day in Albuquerque. She should be fighting in New Mexico. And Corey Anderson versus John Blackfist was actually headlined in New Mexico. Should be fighting uh, on the same card as John Jones versus Dominic Reyes. It is truly baffling to me that the UFC uh, didn't do that. That makes sense. What you're saying, I completely back what you're saying there. And and just on that note, on the note of putting the wrong fights in the wrong places, what about Arnold Allen on a six-fight win streak, hailing from the United Kingdom, being put in a fight against Josh Emmett in Raleigh, North Carolina, right. two months before UFC London? It's baffling. It's, it's crazy to me that the UFC, the UFC is, is pulling all this stuff like... I know that I, I get they want to stack that UFC Raleigh card because it's the same day as the Chris Cyborg, Chris Julia Bud. So they've been really filling that card up with like not marquee fights, like title fights, but like Frankie Edgar's on that card, like Chiesa Dos Anjos, uh, JDS, Curtis Blades, like no one with ties to North Carolina, but they really want to stack that card up. But yeah, it, it just goes along with like it doesn't make sense. Or like Anthony Smith is from Lincoln, Nebraska. And he's not fighting. He didn't fight on the Lincoln, Nebraska card. Like, I, I could, I could talk. Ugh, it's, it bothers me. Uh, but anything else you want to say about your boy Alexander Gustin or Jan Blakovich have big fights coming? Or Gustin doesn't have a fight coming up. But uh, what do you think about that Corey Anderson Jan Blakovich fight? I think it's incredibly tough fight for Jan. I think it's the hardest fight he's had in a while. Um, I see, like after what Corey did to, to Johnny Walker, I think. You know, I, I think he, he he to me looks like the best light heavyweight in, in the UFC outside of John Jones at the moment. So yeah. I think Jan has it all to do there. Um I do favor Corey at this moment, but you know, Jan's shown it plenty of times, man. He he has the power to knock anyone out. Just look at what he did to Luke Rockholt. Um but you know, I feel like Corey's dynamic mix of grappling and, and striking is gonna give him a lot of problems. And and it's just pace that he puts on guys. And um 
and, and and just being able to stay in there, stay in exchanges, stay on guys. Once he doesn't eat a big shot, I think Kari's one of the toughest guys to fight there in that division, you know? He can make anyone look bad, uh, or he can finish you. Like, I'm, But he can also get... He got deaded by Jimmy Mano and Ovin St. Pru. So he's one well, of those guys... Mean, you know? Like, flick of the switch, he can he can get knocked out too. Uh, but I like that fight. It's the fight to make. I just wish it was on the same car as John Jones, Dominic Reyes, and Holly Holm got the opportunity to fight uh, in Albuquerque again. But one final question on the site has absolutely nothing to do with mixed martial arts. They're going to hop over to Twitter real quick. This is going to be a longer episode, guys. From longtime Ooh. commenter Ted Bear, next decade's forecast. As we close out the 2010s, what sci-fi tropes do you see becoming a reality in the 2020s? AI becoming sentient, the emergence of a true dystopian surveillance state, genetically engineered fighters, we find out we're living in the Matrix, etc., etc. So, Pizzi, as the biggest sci-fi fan on the site, as everyone knows, what sci-fi tropes do you see becoming a reality in, tw- in the 2020s? <laughs> for those of you not watching like people are gonna because people listen to this they don't a lot more people listen to this than watch a live pt carol's face is just a gape he's like what did you just ask me i mean shit like dogs that can speak sure <laughs> that would be the best one i could think of dogs that can speak i'm gonna Thank say you. traveling to mars i bet we do that in the 2020s and you can't come or legalize or like legalizing weed in Ireland. Is that science? That would be great. There you go. That's PC Carroll's answer is legalizing weed in Ireland. And my answer is we're going to have a UFC fight on Mars. There you go. That's my answer. Hopping over to Twitter because we got a lot of Twitter questions. All right. Some of these questions are very similar to the ones we got on the site. Uh, Valentin, uh, I can't even pronounce this person's name. What is their Twitter handle? From at Valentino Tarhan. Hardcore MMA fan says the bio. Does Connor retire if he loses? Also, does Connor have the power to knock out Cowboy at 170, or is this end up being similar to Connor versus Diaz 2? Will Connor lack the power to finish uh, Diaz? Religious watch- watcher all the way from Australia. Hashtag the A side. Well, thanks for watching all the way in Australia. You kind of touched upon it a little bit before. Uh, you said, Does Connor retire if he loses? So, Mr. Scissors, Pizza Carol, where are your scissors, by the way? I don't fucking know where they are. I was actually thinking that today. I was like, where did I put those fucking scissors? My ma's looking for them. Everyone's looking for them. <laughs> <laughs> we're on the we're on the hunt. Uh, but you touched upon yeah. it. You said Connor might retire if he loses. I think he still has that third and eight fight. Uh, you kind of touched upon it too. Yeah, but... I, Go ahead. I retract that statement based on what you said after it. To be honest, I was like, yeah, yeah, it actually makes a lot of sense. But I feel like it could be a very drawn out, like two, three years again before right. we see Nate Diaz v. Connor if he does lose. But uh, does he have the power to knock out Cerrone? Absolutely. Um, will he retire? P- probably probably not because Jose is right and I'm wrong. There you go. Um, could someone clip that? Someone clip that part and just keep, just put it on. Oh, loop. shit. You're, Send it to you're me. Gonna, and you're going to clip the shit out of that. That'll be my ringtone. Every time someone calls me, he'll be like, Jose's right and I'm wrong. Jose's right and I'm wrong. Uh, from Kipper Edwards on Twitter. Uh, why is everyone making a big deal out of the 170-pound class? Connor laid out what he wanted to do at that Russian press conference where he specifically said he wants BMF winner after this January card. Do you think he would rematch Diaz or BMF or try lightweight? I think we touched upon that earlier. Uh, most likely both of us are in agreement that it'll be he'll fight Masvidal next uh, if he does win. Uh, somebody also says, what do you think? Also, will MMA journalists be bringing up the allegations once the promotion starts, or will they avoid the tough questions? 
Interesting question, Pete. I don't know how it is over there. Do people bring it up whenever Connor's doing making the media rounds? Legally, I can't even speak about that because I'm in Ireland. There you go. Uh, I'm sure some people will, will bring it up when I was at the... Uh, There's lots of stuff online, by the way. There's lots of stuff online if you just want to look into that about about the laws over here. Um, yeah. But is it's um, yeah, that's why it's not in the, the papers over here. Yeah, so PT can't speak about it. I don't want to speak about it without having all of the information. Um, but I do know when we were at the Contender Series fight, uh, this was a Dana White does his scrums after every after every fight. Some uh, uh, John Morgan of MMA Junkie did ask him, and Dana gave like the the usual like, "Well, it's, I heard it's not even him." So that was Dana White's uh, comments. But I'm sure someone will bring it up, and I'm sure we'll get an angry Conor McGregor. Uh, answer saying he can't talk about or maybe they will just say hey don't ask this because you know some fighters say you don't ask this stuff uh in the interview ahead of time uh well i can assure you it's frustrating for the media members that uh, are in this situation believe me i am yeah i can agree because a lot of pe- a lot of fans will come up asking me uh is this true is this true i'm like oh i can't say anything because hey i don't know uh 100 <laughs> percent and I don't want to comment on it without knowing all the answers. And I know Pizza Kelly can't comment on it. Um, I'll ask you a question because I can never pronounce this man's name. Who was the fighter that Conor McGregor knocked out? Uh, Cage Warriors, that really famous one, the punch, back in 2012. Oh, oh, wait, wait, wow, wow, wow. This is a segue into my fucking promo. So can I just go with that now? Sure. Well, here it is. The floor is yours. Listen to, Listen to it. The man... His name is Ivan Butchinger. He's one of the best, like, you know, a great fighter from Russia fighting. Saladin Parnas. He's from France. He's only 21 years of age. He's already KSW featherweight champion. And this weekend, he fights Ivan Butchinger on KSW 52. And if you can also remember that, France is legalizing MMA next year, January 2020. If there is one fighter... The UFC need to do everything to sign in 2020. It's Saladin Parnas. He is a magician. He looks like a young Anderson Silva. He has never lost a fight. He's 14-0. and 0. And now if he beats Butchinger, this stalwart of the European scene, he's already cleaned out like three ex-champions, I believe, uh, in KSW. Good names, like Marcin Wojcik, I believe, is one of the names. That is unbelievable for a 21-year-old. If he beats Ivan Butchinger... It's crazy. It's out of this world how good this guy is. So have keep an eye on him. He was on my 2018 prospects to watch list two years ago. Two fucking years ago I put wow. him on the list. So this is how good he is. He's unbelievable. Remember you heard it here first because people already forget. Saladin Parnas, unbelievable fighter, fighting this weekend, KSW. Uh, but the question from Sean Denny was, Pete, tell the audience how good Ivan Butchinger is and how he's not just a person on the McGregor highlight reel. Oh, he's brilliant. You know, he had a when when McGregor was actually matched with him, he was supposed to fight guy he fought in the UFC. Um, he was Jesus Christ. I, I can see his face. He did fight in the UFC. Um, oh, his name's on the tip of my tongue. An American guy, Jim Jim Aylers, is it? Jim who, Aylers. Who? Wait. So, who are Connor you was about? supposed. Connor was supposed to fight Jim Aylers for the 145 Cage Warriors title that time. And oh, then when know. he stopped out, it turned into a vacant lightweight title shot. And when Butchinger was brought in, this guy who has this great history with M1 Global and all this stuff, we were like, oh, this is a fucking nightmare. He, th- like McGregor's just about to sign for the UFC. Everybody knew he was knocking on the door. And we're like, they're going to put him in there with Butchinger? 
And this was like, oh, this is a terrible fight. This is the this is a bad idea. You know, it's been a couple of years since he fought at 55. And I'm going to give him Butchinger. And then it gives him that left hook knockout. And the rest is history. He is a brilliant fighter. And um, that's why I'm trying to, I'm forcing home. And Sean will notice, if Parnas can beat this guy at just 21 years of age, it's it's incredible. It's incredible. He's already he's already blown my mind nearly every time he's fought for KSW Saladin, and he's he's one of the few MMA fighters that's featured in the likes of L'Equipe over there, which is a massive sports publication, one of the best publications in the world historically. L'Equipe. He's been featured in this magazine nearly every time he fights, so he's a massive deal already. And I really believe that him, Cyril Gann, uh, you know. Um, Francis and Ghanu are going to be really, really pivotal if the UFC want to set that market on fire the first time they go in there. Well, there you have it, folks. That fight, the UFC needs everything to do to sign this man because PC Carroll, as all well, you're already booking fights for Bellator. Might as well start booking fights for the UFC, right? That's it. That's it. As long as, as long as uh, I don't take money off them and keep my journalistic integrity. <laughs> there you go. Well, one another question from Sean Denny: If each of you had to train someone off the street for an MMA fight, which coach wins? <laughs> I'd fucking my dude would fucking kill your dude. It would be it would wow. be like Jairzinho smoking those lads. People would be dying. They'd be like a fucking leg getting sent over the octagon cage. Lads' face would have to be stapled back together. That's with five seconds with a PT Carroll trained athlete. That's all I'm saying. Well, you know how John Jones was never a good coach because he was so naturally gifted at the sport? That's going to be my situation, no. too, because I'm not <laughs> going to be a good coach because I'm going to be so much more naturally gifted in the sport of mixed martial arts than Pete C. Carroll that your boy is going to beat my boy, and then I'm going to use my boy as a weapon, and I'm going to hold his ankles like a baseball bat and then come after both of you. <laughs> That's fucking illegal, and you know it. <laughs> Hey, this is this says if you had to train someone off the street, this is this is a street fight, my friend. I'm gonna use my my boy as a weapon. You should take someone from the street and put them in the UFC's sanctioned mixed martial arts cage. I believe it is. Whatever. Said, if, if, if I'm just bringing a gun and I'm shooting, both. <laughs> <laughs> well, the PT oh, Carroll, PT Carroll over there. Pizza Carroll's train. Pizza Carroll's gonna. It's gonna be similar to that when John Jones uh, coached opposite Chael Sonnen, where Chael Sonnen was the far superior coach and connected with his athletes more because he was not the most athletically gifted fighter uh, compared to John Jones. It's similar to like why Michael Jordan's not the good, not a good owner. Why Wayne Gretzky wasn't a good coach. Why John Jones isn't a good coach because they're just the best, and it frustrates them when they're telling them to do something. And the, their fighters can't do it. That's going to be the situation. Pete Carroll's going to be I've a terrible. I've never heard. Is Wayne Gretzky a good fighter? Sorry, you lost me there. Is he any good at fighting? Wayne and Gretzky, he's, in, he's been in a fight or two. Yeah, I bet you I'd beat the shit out of him because I've never heard of him. Yeah, okay. Okay. But moving on. Watch out, Wayne Gretzky. Pete Carroll's going to fly from Dublin to Arizona and kick your ass. The great one, they call all him. Over That's from what they call me. So we'll fight for the name. <laughs> the, the the great one belt that's what they're gonna call it from at omrec r in case y'all have tried either what tastes better proper 12 or budweiser they're both taste like piss <laughs> <laughs> i'm not a big budweiser fan and I've, i have a bottle of proper 12 sitting on my counter and it's had one shot taken out of it and i wasn't a fan either so i would say not a fan of either I mean, I've only had it once, and I was probably already drunk, so that's probably not accurate. But I hate Budweiser. I fucking so do I. hate it. You are. I, when, I feel like when when Irish fighters or Irish journalists come over a lot, like in New York, 
I remember Darren Till. Awesome. Like he wasn't fighting on the card. It was at like UFC 217 fight week. He was like one of the guest fighters. He kept wanting to go to the Hooters in Times Square and get Bud Light. Like that was his thing because it, the, the, those don't exist over in the UK. <laughs> for those of you Darren not Hill wasted, for those of you not, not watching, like PC Carroll just looks like a disappointed father after that story. <laughs> No, I, I mean, oh, let's go and have Bud Light. I mean, that's that—that that is the least amount of fun I could fucking have. If someone turned around to me and was like, "Here, Pizzi, let's go to Hooters and have some Bud Light," I'd be like, "Go and fuck yourself. Go by yourself. I hate you." From Tom Lowe, can oh scissor clap right there. It's not as intimidating yeah. about the actual scissors. <laughs> yeah, I need some actual blades involved. I'm gonna get a scissors for next week. Get it tattooed on your finger right here. So you can just snip, snip, snip. Oh. <laughs> uh, scissors and a diamond, maybe, and we could interlock Ooh, like this. there you go. From Tony Lowe, can someone please get to the bottom of Israel Adesanya's burping problem? He can't stop burping, and it drives me crazy. Yep, we'll get right on that, Tony Lowe. <laughs> I don't know if you walked, uh, watched Ar- Ar- Ariel's interview with him when they had matzo ball soup. Oh, like, I, I, do mean, it, I do it all the time. Everybody does that in Ireland. Like, it's like a thing. You get the soup and a sandwich so you can dip that shit in there, you know? From Gabriel Aruchovich. He caught, he, this is a longtime commenter on Twitter. From hashtag the A-side. Yes, you're pronouncing the name right. Well, good to know. With TJ Dillashaw coming out into the spotlight again, it made me wonder, do you think we'll see Dillashaw versus Uriah Faber in 2021, given that Faber is now actively fighting again and Dillashaw is back in 13-ish months? So I asked Uriah Faber this when he was on the A-side. He said he's down as long as TJ doesn't has his substances in his body. Uh, but I think it really depends on what the bantamweight div- title picture is, g- is going to be like in 2021. Because Uriah Faber wants to fight Henry Cejudo for the bantamweight championship of the world. He has to fight Peter Jan first, which is not an easy win. Yeah, hang on. Hang on a second. I was going to say. No, he's never, he's never fighting again after he fights Peter Jan. Are you joking me? No, it's not going to happen. Do you guys even understand? Like, when, when Uriah said he was back, the one comment I had was, better not fight Peter Yan. Guess what they do? They fucking match him with Peter Yan. Terrible idea. No, it's not going to happen. It's over. It's over. Man, Peter Yan is the worst fight they could have given the guy. I mean, with all due respect, right up until he landed the knockout blow in that Ricky Simone fight, I didn't have a good feeling. I was going, right. oh, no. Oh, 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 no. Peter Yan's a far better fighter than Ricky Simone, all right? I'm sorry. He's far better. He's elite. He's unbelievable. He's always been unbelievable. Since the day he started doing this, people were like, holy shit, that kid's really good at knockout win. Whereas Peter Yan is beating everyone. He's like a freight train running through the fucking division. I think it's a bad idea. So maybe if they wanted that fight to happen, they shouldn't have booked this one. Yeah, I was a little like Casey, our cameraman, was confused by the booking too. I thought they should have, they could have done like Uriah Faber versus Jose Aldo at bantamweight, considering they fought at featherweight in the WBC. Uh, rematch them at bantamweight. Do Peter Yan versus Marlon Moraes, maybe. Uh, Alzheimer Sterling's on the shelf. Dominic Cruz is still out there. I, I wanted to see Dominic Cruz, Frankie Edgar, really bad. Corey Sandhagen's now fighting Frankie Edgar. So there's a lot, a lot of high level bantamweight fights coming up. Dominic Cruz is still on the shelf. Henry Cejudo looks to be back in training, uh, back training again after his shoulder surgery uh, here in Arizona. So uh, I can't say if we'll see it in 2021, only because we there's so many fights that have to happen first. Because if Uriah Faber's fighting for the belt, I'm sure he'll take that over TJ Dillashaw any day of the week. But as Peter Carroll has has said, he's not going to be fighting again after UFC 245. 
<laughs> you 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 agree that that's a horrific matchup? A horrific right? matchup. I was completely a... blown away. Uh, <laughs> even Aljamain Sterling is out there. Like uh, Aljamain Sterling said, he would fight Peter Yan for the interim title at one point. I was I loved that fight. Yeah, like, I mean, I think they're both there. I think they're right. Th- both those guys are right there, right there. And I understand if I was Aljamain, I would feel as though I'm a step ahead of Peter Yan in that definitely. conversation. I think he deserves that much, but um. You know, I think even Aljamain is kind of like, how the hell did that happen? You know, how, how is this after happening? But well, if he does it, I mean, if we're, we're all here after the Ricky Simone fight going, well, didn't expect that. Yeah. If he does it to Jan, the, our tune is going to change very quickly, you know? Yeah, and I think Aljamain Sterling getting hurt and having that surgery because I believe he was he was linked to a fight against Frankie Edgar on that uh, Madison Square Garden card. If Aljamain Sterling had to come out and, and, and stop Frankie Edgar like he's been stopping people or been beating people, I think it would we could see Aljamain Sterling fighting for the championship next. But I think there's so many bantamweight, big bantamweight fights coming up in the next few months that and Henry Cejudo's not 100% healthy. Not to mention Cody Garbrandt's been teasing. He wants to come back in March. Uh, so that's another... Uh, Cody Garbrandt v. Nathaniel Wood in London would be outrageous. I, that's if they what aren't going to make the Cheeto fair fight... That's the fight that I saw Nathaniel Wood called out. I go, I love that fight. If they're not going to make Cheeto Vera, uh, I like that. I like the Cody Garbrandt fight. I'm sure Sugar Sean O'Malley's going to come back any day or any time now. Uh, fingers crossed, he can get that pulsing situation squared away that has been it's so John annoying. Jones. It's oh, so annoying. Hell, we, he's been tied. He's been. He was supposed to fight at UFC 229, and I believe he's supposed to fight at UFC 239. Two very big fight cards, and we lost out on both of them uh, simply because he's of like, this pulsing situation. Yeah, it's not good enough because, as you know, uh, you know he's Irish, so he's one of ours, and, and we really need that kind of activity in the UFC at the moment. Um, Sugar Sean O'Malley, just just so he's heard that, one hundred percent Irish, he's ours. He's been claimed by us. Nothing to do with America anymore. Thank you. Uh, well, he lives out in Arizona, so you're gonna have to come fight me for the the rights to claim Sugar Sean O'Malley. Joseph Duffy lives in Canada. It doesn't make him any less Irish. That's mate. fair. Doesn't yeah, but his nickname is Irish Joe Duffy. Do you not call him Irish Sean O'Malley? That's what we call him. What do you call? Uh, what, do you guys claim Paul Felder too? Irish Paul Felder, yeah, that's his isn't name it? Too. Isn't he the Paul. Irish Dragon, Paul Felder? Just over here, Irish. Just, Just Irish. Irish. All right, another question for you specifically from Eduardo Bueno on Twitter: What KSW fighter would be a top ten fighter in the UFC today? Roberto Saldich, Saladin Parnas. Well, I don't know if Saladin be restri- yeah, I think he probably could, yeah. Um Saladin Bernas, Roberto Saldich, um maybe maybe uh they have that one thirty five guy that just won the championship. Uh his name is escaping me right now. But yeah, I think definitely those two guys. I can't really think on the fly uh, more than that, but uh, I think those two guys would definitely be uh, good enough to be in the top ten. Well, PC Carroll's always good for a Maybe. promo on KSW. I still, I still see that video clip of you, uh, uh, t- that promo you cut on KSW uh, versus the UFC. I still see that making the rounds on Twitter. Uh, so anytime I get it was KSW a better questions, it's a better what? It's harder. To, it it was a better fight card this weekend, but to be fair, the DC card is very good. You know, the DC card is phenomenal. Al, uh, Alex Kelly and I, we shot our preview show that it's gonna it's gonna come out Friday, and we were looking at the card. A lot of those fights are fifty fifty to me. Uh, there's a lot of those. There's no bit like the the main event is phenomenal, but then like Cynthia Calvillo, Marina Rodriguez is great. Aspilad, Giannis Kuniskaya, uh, Rob Font is on that card. Uh, Ricky Simone, Cody St- uh, Stamen. Like this is a lot of phenomenal fit fights. But hey, hey, who's is Cody Stamen fighting Askar Askarov? Um, let me find out. 
That is a good I question. I think he is. He is fighting. No, he's fighting Geraldo de Freitas. Nope, that's Yang Sedong. Is he fighting Yang Sedong? Yang, Song Yedong versus oh, Cody Stamen. Yeah. Yeah. That's, who's that's who's, who's Askar Askarov? Askar Askarov is fighting Tim Elliott on that card, no? I believe so. Is that wrong? Do we have that arseways? I'm about to find or did out. They announce, uh, or did they announce... Did they announce? Did they announce Oscar Askarov for J- January eighteenth? I think that's going to be January. Yeah, I think that's the January card. Because Sorry. this one oh, has oh. Uh, Rob Font, Ricky Simone, Cody Stamen versus Song Yadong, Tiago Alves, Tim Means, Bryce Mitchell, Matt Sales, even Matt Wyman's making a return. Uh, Aspen Lad, Coon Sky, Stefan Struve coming back out of retirement to fight Ben Rothwell. There's a lot of great fights on this card. Yeah, it's great. That's a man. Yadong song is unbelievable, and Cody Stamen is a hell of a step up for him. That's a brilliant fight. That's a brilliant fight. And when I had your eye favor on the A side, he he had pegged uh, uh, Song to be uh, a future champion. The last two fighters you said that were T.J. Dillashaw and Cody Garbrandt. So uh, whenever your eye favor kind of uh, keys a guy, I, you, you you tend to pay attention to him. Uh, but there's also a lot of big fights. We got Alberto Del Rio Tito Ortiz this week on December seventh. We got Anthony Joshua, Andrew Ruiz, the rematch uh, for the heavyweight champion. Are, are you boxing? Say, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Go ahead. Did you just compare Anthony jo- uh, Anthony Joshua v. Ruiz to, to Tito Ortiz and that guy? Whatever his name is. Alberto Del Rio. Yeah. Did you really do that, yeah? I said they both happened to be on the same day. What? I mean, I watched your interview with Alberto El Patron earlier on, and yeah. I was thinking, wow, this guy... This guy's going to pull it off, you know? And now you're just, you've had this great on-screen uh, chemistry with this man, and now you're just throwing him under the bus? Uh, it's what a three-round fight. I, I tend to favor Tito Ortiz. Uh, Alberto Del Rio does have, you know he's gotten head-kicked by Mirko Krokop before in a, in a luchador Wearing a mask. mask. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's, yes. it's, it's an, you, you, hear, you see the stipulation for that fight? Like what the winner gets? So Tito, the winner, care. if Tito Ortiz beats Alberto Del Rio, Alberto Del Rio is going to present him with his old WWE championship belt. And if Alberto Del Rio beats Tito Ortiz, Tito Ortiz is going to present him with his old UFC championship belt. Did you see the press conference for this by any chance? Of course I did. It's and unbelievable. Did you see the part like where they, they just left it playing? And yeah. it's like, they don't even know it's fucking on. And they're all sitting in the room together, and it's fine. And then as soon as they think they're live, it's like all this animosity in the room. I mean, this is complete bullshit. <laughs> there you have it's it, all folks. About that. Well, the, supposedly the president of Mexico, his son is going to be there as invitation of Alberto Del Rio. And Tito Ortiz, no, is invi- Tito Ortiz has, well, I believe his son will be there. Alberto Del Rio oh, invited so, so not the guy, not not the, not guy. the guy, no well, title whatsoever. Just a guy yep. who happens to live in the same house as the person who's important. Yeah. Well, okay. if Donald Trump that Jr. shows up and the president of Mexico's son is there, the two president's sons are there. I'm sure they'll, they'll get some traction from mainstream media. Pizza Carol Rose's eyes, pres- ladies and gentlemen. President- the, the president of Ireland's son could watch you here now, and I wouldn't even fucking know who it is. I'd just be like, <laughs> whatever, man. Just I'm sure you'd be a little. I'm sure you'd be a little confused why a strange man is in your room. Happens all the time, man. <laughs> Happens all the time, man. <laughs> but we also have uh, Andrew Rees Jr. rematching Anthony Joshua. Is that a big deal over on your side of the pond? Yeah. I mean, of course, it's big fucking every pond is pretty excited about this that was one, a, mate. That was a straight like, I mean, question, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the real fight that's happening. Yeah, that's a, that's a really exciting one. Yeah. 
fucking... It's, will, it's a little weird in Saudi Arabia, but I, I love that fight. I'm not going to give a prediction because that'll be on our preview show too, but we've actually run 30 minutes over because Pizza Carroll just loves hearing himself talk. But, so, Pizza, you already <laughs> did your you already did your promo. You want to say anything else? Yeah, um, I'm not going to be watching Tito Ortiz and the other lad. That's all. There you go. There, there you have it, folks. My promo is going to be on Holly Holm not fighting in New Mexico, but I already said that, too. Uh, I'm going to be watching all three fights this weekend. Uh, I, As Pizza Carroll does his scissors. For people not watching, Pizza Carroll is just doing Jacare Souza's alligator clamp and pretending they're scissors. Who is this Jacare Souza you keep talking about? The guy that fought Jan Blachowicz. I'm pretty sure you were on the A-side when we preview, previewed it. Never heard of him. Never heard of him. You know the guy that Michael Bisbing never fought? The guy knocked out Chris Weidman? Yeah, okay. Pizza Carroll's pound for pound the best MMA journalist in the world. Doesn't know who Jacare Souza is. Oh, Ronaldo. Sorry. I'm oh. Portuguese speaker. Ronaldo Jack uh, Souza. Sorry, yes. Yeah, yeah. sorry, Guillermo. What's Pizza- called? Jacare Crocodile? Sorry, I never. Yeah, sorry, Guillermo. Pizza's the most Brazilian journalist we have on the site. I know him as Honey. Honey Souza. That's what it- <laughs> I really hope Guillermo saw that. And the next time he interviews Jacare, he's like, Do you, does anyone ever call you Honey? Because Pizza Carol strictly calls just you Honey Souza. That's what he's saying. He's It'll just be saying, like, just, just one guy, Pizzi. <laughs> well, I can't think of a better way uh, to end than Pizzi Carroll calling Jacare Souza Honey Souza. So. For Jose, this has been Pizzi. We're going to have uh, Esther, Esther Lynn and Casey are on the scene and at, at UFC DC. I believe their plane got delayed, so they won't make it in time for the open workouts, but they'll they be there. Don't they you love, love when that happens? They love being delayed. So they'll they'll be on the scene for media day, weigh-ins, the actual fight. So stick around on our YouTube page and on the site for all kinds of uh, fun content. And then next week, UFC 245, I'll be there. Maybe we'll have an extra live edition of the podcast. I don't know who I'll be with, uh, but we'll make it happen. Uh, but for Jose, that's Pizzi, the most Portuguese journalist in the world. And he's not Irish anymore, ladies and gentlemen. He's strictly Portuguese. We're out. Obrigado. Obrigado.